I'm Zeke. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 96. Oh, Zeke. We can count it down in one hand. That's true. We are one month shy of our 100th episode. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yes. But until then, Jake, are you ready for your film of the week? Yes. Quote. The quote. Yeah. The quote. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, well, we're jumping in real quick. Um, yes, Zeke, my 1996 film quote. All right. Let's do it. It's shite being Scottish. We're the lowest of the low, the scum of the earth, the most wretched, yes. miserable, servile, pathetic <laughs> trash that was ever shat into civilization. My goodness, man. I feel like going on a train and getting away from that spot. <laughs> Is that your final answer? Yes. That, that's, a, that's the Netflix version of the title. Yes. If Netflix chose the title for train spotting. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 1996 Danny Boyle film, yes. Train Spotting, which we did. On this show. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought up Danny Boyle because it, it was a director's corner, a train spotting episode. That it was. Yeah. There you no, go. I just thought uh, I'd give you an easy one this week. Because, um, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm back in the lead now. I'm, I'm four for three. Mm. So, I was always going to do go. this one when we got to 96. Ah, oh, of course. So, always um, in, the, in the, the cards, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're doing this. Back in our old location, Jake. Oh, my goodness. This is a bit of a throwback. Is that why our audio quality is the best it's been in 31 episodes? <laughs> it's funny you remember that. I do, um, I do. Yes. Yeah, so we it... did... Uh, it, you... No, what it was was you were going you were going to go away for three weeks. Yes. Or four, I think we ended up doing four weeks worth of pre-records, mm-hmm. which coincided with the COVID lockdowns happening. So we got very lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, the first episode we did in your room, we hadn't seen each other in like four or five weeks, yes. um, which is very unusual. <laughs> it's very unusual. And then we did uh, one of your favorite films of the decade, Hell or High Water. That's true. Yeah, it's really inter- it's really interesting. Um, yeah, we just got the opportunity to be back in here, so we're just gonna take advantage of it while we still can do it. Yeah, we can um, break in. We we bought new pliers. That's why I'm able to. <laughs> Cut the gate. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's our opportunity uh, to get back in. Absolutely. So, Jake, what have you caught in the last week? Um, I've caught a fair few films, a lot of them in relation to our film of the week. Okay. So I'm going to talk about, firstly, the only one that has nothing to do with our film of the week, a film that if you've gone to any Australian cinema in the last three months, you've seen this trailer. Mm-hmm. I watched Rams. Oh, really? Yeah. The WA, uh, based on an Icelandic film, I found out. The WA film Rams, directed by Jeremy Sims, who I, I didn't realise this. He did Last Train of Frio, which is a film I really, really? I really like that film. Yeah, we did it in high school. We studied it. Uh, but yeah, this is probably the most Aussie film that has ever Aussied in terms of you have... Um, yeah, you look at the trailer, it definitely strikes <laughs> that sort of uh, that note. Yeah, well, just the accents and the setting and the, the subject matter, which is interesting because it's like, oh, this was an Icelandic film, but they've taken the plot and sort of... I don't know how different it is. I haven't watched the original film, but the whole deal is it's, it's Sam Neill and uh, Michael Catton. Is that how you pronounce it? Catton. Caton. Caton, of course. K-A-T-O-N. Uh, so they are uh, brothers who haven't spoken in 40-plus years because of some feud that we... I don't think we ever actually now to figure, about it, figure out exactly what the feud is, but mm-hmm. the point is that they're both sort of these sheep farmers and, and they live sort of next door to each other, but they haven't spoken in so many years. Okay. And um, I so that's sort of the premise that you goes into and then it's all about these uh, the sheep that contract like a disease, so a lot of them, the government is sort of 
pounding down and like you have to kill all these sheep, but he keeps them in hiding because we sort of understand this is sort of the only way that Sam Neill's character, uh, I think his name was Colin, is... You definitely get the sense, without it being very explicit, you understand watching it like, oh, this is sort of all he has left to live for. He doesn't really mm-hmm. have... He has like an extended family, but he lives alone on this farm. And yeah. um, and the relationship between him and Michael Caton is really well... Like from the first couple of minutes, you understand, like, oh, it's a bit of a complicated feud. Yes. It's not like, oh, we hate each other. There seems to be a bit of a self... A codependency a little bit mm-hmm. within the sort of hints of it throughout. Um I was overall really positive film. I had a lot of like little nitpicks, and I thought the ending was quite. There's a lot of unanswered questions by mm-hmm. the end, but up until that point, I actually thought the script was really well done, and like a lot of the the plotting's really good. Um, I forget the name, but there, there's sort of that government head guy, who's just like so over the top. Yeah. That I was like, oh god. He's <laughs> like that kind of so campy villain. Yeah, exactly. Where it just didn't. Um, uh, that I, I, that just didn't work for me at all. But I, but the other performances I actually really did sort of enjoy. And yeah. It has this really lived-in feel. And it felt weirdly topical because there was sort of this, oh, there's this illness spreading uh, with the sheep. And then there was a lot of sort of commentary about Australian bushfires in there mm-hmm. as well. So it felt very 2020 related. Mm-hmm. And on, on a selfish note, I actually loved all of the bushfire stuff because, as you know, Zeke, I may or may not have written a scene about a bushfire in a... This is true. The script. So it was actually really fascinating. But, all right, how does another WA film, granted with much more money than I will ever get, do a bushfire in terms of how do they uh, approach it from like an ethical standpoint? How do they shoot it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, how much can we get away with lighting things on fire versus how much of its effects? And I was, I was like, this is really well done. So I was like very surprised by how they, they tackled all that stuff. But um, I think I ultimately sort of sat on like a, Three star, like average yeah. rating, because um, nice popcorn film. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was fun, but like, if you wanted to be nitpicky, I, I thought the tone was quite weird and inconsistent for a film that you watch the trailer. It feels very like, ah, oh, it's a go lucky, yeah, feel good family film. It's like there's a lot of like swearing and some really dark moments where there's like some violent stuff. It's like off screen, mm-hmm. but it's very implicit and very like, whoa, that's dark. Yeah. yeah like there's yeah. a 10 year old in front of me right now that <laughs> I don't know how he's reacting to this. Um, and uh, the, some of the comedy I thought was a bit off. Like, like I said, there was that awkward character. Mm-hmm. Like for every five attempts at comedy with like, oh, an awkward character says something silly and people are like, ugh, they, they shrug him off. For every five attempts at that, there's like at least one like genuinely funny visual mm-hmm. gag. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's not a spoiler, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin the joke. There is a great scene where Sam Neill drives Michael Caton uh, in like a bulldozer. He's like passed out and he's mm-hmm. driving around. And I was like, that's it's really funny the way it's done. Um, so Rams, I, I guess maybe I should bump my scrot because I actually sounded way more positive. Yeah, you sounded way more positive. Yeah. Ah, I guess all the good traits stuck <laughs> with me you're more. You're feeling in a happy mood. Yeah, why not? All right, well, Zeke, what have you caught this past week? <laughs> absolutely nothing. Oh, um, absolutely nothing that doesn't nothing. directly correlate to the film of the week. So, oh, of, course. of um, course. I'll talk about both of them. I imagine we'll both be talking about them mm. uh, later in the show, but unfortunately they're the only two things I've caught in the week. I have a lot more career stuff in the last week. Okay. Um, not really anything that new, but obviously uh, the three films that I've talked about in previous weeks have taken up a lot of my time. Um, so that's kind of where I've just been... That's where your head's at. Yeah. 
Which, yeah, and this sort of happens. I think you could probably outline a correlating relationship whenever our careers pick up. The versus how many films we watched watch in a yeah. week. <laughs> I was I was watching. Oh, not watching, but I was going through my letterbox, like my twenty twenty statistics, mm-hmm. uh, which you can only get if you pay for like a pro subscription or whatever. But I was going through it, and it sort of averages out how many films you watch per week throughout the year, how many mm-hmm. per month. And I was at like five and a half films per month on mm-hmm. average. And I was like, oh, that's, that, that sounds about accurate. Because you're right. We dip mm-hmm. in and then we go back up. Like I, I had a week earlier this year. I watched 21 films in a single week. Yeah. I was like, how was that possible? <laughs> and it's kind of, yeah, I think I've probably had very similar weeks like that. Mm. And yeah, um, f- unfortunately, yeah, it's sort of the trade-off. So it's like, oh, well, I have a career update, but then I also only watch three films or two films a week you know <laughs> yeah well let me throw it to you then uh before we jump into our career section so the rest of the films that i watched this week are all related tangentially to the film of the week do you want me to talk about those sort of a- as like a-, a group setting during the film of the week or do, do you, you feel like they're correlative to the discussion later in the show uh i, I guess so you know, what, I, you know what, I reckon I'm going to talk about them now. Okay. Because then you can jump in with at least one of these, I know. Okay. Um. So, all right. Of course, film of the week we're doing, we're talking about the Borat sequel mm-hmm. later in the show. Uh. So, in preparation, I sort of watched what you might consider as like Sasha Baron Cohen's sort of trilogy of characters that he plays at. So, I made sure uh, to watch Borat, Bruno, and The Dictator Okay. before watching a subsequent movie film. And uh, it was interesting because I sort of have this interesting history with these films. Not that mm-hmm. I've actually seen any. I, I feel like I might have seen The Dictator in, in full. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen parts of it. Um, now, now of course, I've seen all three. But, and you might be able to relate to this. So when, we, when these films came out, especially Bruno. I remember in Bruno, I was in, what, the sixth grade? Yeah. And you, I think you would have been, been sixth six grade in yeah, 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, did this film hit as hard in terms of like people talking about it and it was like, did it hit hard for you back then? No, I always felt that it was the one... It was very racy, and people talked about how mm. racy it was, but it wasn't the same sort of... Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. Show, yep. uh, show The geopolitical awareness that the other, I would say, seeing the film of the week, uh, you know, the original Borat film and The, dicta- the Dictator, those ones mm. have very socioeconomic commentary... On, on the surface level, and I've never seen Bruno, but I recall when it came out, it lost some of that essence and was more crude, if I recall people. Yeah. That was I, the mainstream sort of feedback from it. Definitely. Well, from where I was standing at as a kid, and it was ranchy and raunchy, I should say, and rude and, mm-hmm. and you know, hypersexual and stuff. And as a kid, it was that sort of thing of like, ooh, like I want to watch it, but like I, I feel naughty for watching it. It was yeah. like one of those things. Like when you watch Family Guy before... He really should be watching Family mm-hmm. Guy, that kind of thing. Um, and I actually did see a bit of Bruno. I was at a friend's house, and I think he had the film. So, like, we were all like, oh, let's, all, let's go upstairs and watch Bruno. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so rude, you know? And we probably got about 20, 30 minutes in. The only shot, and I can't remember if I said this last week or not, the only shot I remember from that film was, like, the. it ended up being sort of these TV, uh, not critics, but, you know, they're, they're like an audience that mm-hmm. are watching, like, does, oh, do we approve of this TV show? What's the feedback? And it was just Bruno's penis going around like a chopper in circles and then speaking, Bruno! <laughs> that was all I remembered about the film up until I rewatched it a couple of days ago. <laughs> rewatched it, I say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I just remember it being so big. And I know Borat was like the same thing, but I didn't really know what Borat was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then The Dictator, which again, I, pu- I was probably old enough at that point to have watched some of it. Yeah, I feel like I watched The Dictator very close to it mm. coming out in cinemas. Yeah, that would have been 2014. 2012. Wow. Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, we were both in high school at least yeah. at that point. But yeah, so that was sort of where I stood with Bruno. So when I started watching all these films and I started with Borat, I know we did like, is it Ali G? He's, that's one of his other characters. Yes, I have caught that film oh, also. awesome. Perfect. Because I haven't seen yeah. like any of that. I know it's like a TV show or a film. Oh, uh, it's a f- film. I think it does have a TV show too, okay. but it's based around sort of the Cockney, Chav-esque, Bogany uh, British people. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like there's like Australian Bogan characters Yeah, the now. upper middle Bogan one. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, but when I, when I watched Bruno, I didn't... Oh, sorry. Borat, firstly... I didn't realize that it, took, it sort of took that jackass, bad grandpa approach mm-hmm. of, oh, it's a fictional character walking around in like a real setting and yeah. kind of inciting reactions out of it. But I didn't realize that until I started watching it. I was like, oh, these are what these films are. Yeah. I, do you feel the dictator has that? I feel dictator's like not. No. Dictator's the exception. That is a straight up like narrative comedy yeah. film. Which I think is its weakness. I when I rewatched the dict, I was like, "This is actually really terrible." Yeah, <laughs> this film's so bad. Um, well, at least with Borat and Bruno, I was like, "Well, you're right. There is that social political commentary underlining all of mm. like the crude humor." So I, I kind of glad that I didn't watch Borat and Bruno properly until until now. You know, my early twenties, because it's like at least I got it this time. Yeah, you're not consuming it because it's edgy. Exactly. Yeah, I'm watching it because it's like, oh, I, I see what he's doing with like, oh, he's showing the culture clash and sort of pointing out the hypocrisy in Americans and all of that stuff. And there, there is an art to creating a plot around these prank scenarios. There mm-hmm. is an interest. And you said this to me. There, you said this to me off the show a few days ago. It's always a little distracting, a little interesting, figuring out what's real and what was fake. Yeah, because it. As particularly with the first one, because I guess we can talk about the first one here, so yep. then we can keep our uh, conversation more focused going, yeah. focused on the the film of the week. Um, I feel like the first one, in particular, is very. Um, I mean, it does have a pretty loose plot thread, but yeah, it has a, such a mockumentary presentation that the second one doesn't have, and I'll talk more about that Ooh, later. Ooh, interesting. Where I feel like okay. it's not as apparent, um, and. Um, I find it really intriguing because it does feel at times where it's it's kind of tough to see where they created a scene in order to fuel the narrative side or were mm. they fueling the prankster mockumentary slash even documentary to an extent yep. because it's sort of just a mock version of a doc. It really is a mockumentary in the sense that it's yeah almost mocking documentary interviews where especially when Borat goes to actual legitimate members of societies mm. and and is prodding and poking at them to incite a rise out of them mostly. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting. Um, it's not... I'm going to talk... I'll elaborate more, obviously, when this conversation goes on, but his sense of humour doesn't click with me. It's right, not, okay. Um, I found the... Particularly with the first one, the research on what was real and what wasn't and the kind of the exploration of that sort of stuff was more interesting than... Than the film itself. Than the film itself. The yeah. documentary about making this film would have been incredible, <laughs> I think. The original Borat, for sure. I definitely don't disagree with you on that thing, because I think, I think we both did the first... Our first instinct after the credits rolled was looking up, was Pamela Anderson 
yeah. in on the joke. And I think we both found out that she is, is in yeah. the joke. Yeah. She apparently it was resulted in her divorce. I read all about that, yeah. yeah. And, and it was sort of mixy, but then Sasha was just like, yeah, no, that's exactly why they got divorced. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because it's like, well... That that's the thing. Like you can talk about her portrayal in that first Borat as like, oh, well, you know, she's just a sex object and stuff. But it's like, but it's all a part of this commentary because it's not just culture clash making fun of America. It's making fun of Borat as a character. And mm. you can argue like, oh, well, should he be allowed to play that character? I'm just like, well, whatever, because mm. it's like you're sort of poking fun at both ends. Where it's like he's making fun of the fact that there are people out there who just treat women as sex objects. Yes, and he's sort of almost poking the American citizens out of having the same sort of misogynistic mindset. It's like when he's in that, that sort of that camper van with all those like jock teen characters mm. and they're all just like, she's so hot, bro. She's so hot, bro. It's like, he's kind and of... And that's po- real. And they yeah, t- sued it's real. Him. They sued him for it. My laptop sounds like a jet engine. Do you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I didn't even touch it. It's just like, hey guys, yeah. I'm here. Um, no, but I think, so that's why I think it's a little silly. I actually have a lot of respect for Pamela Anderson for doing it and being in on the joke. It's, it's quite fascinating because, yeah. yeah, obviously when you like find out that like, yeah, those uh, fraternity guys were real when it resulted in a lawsuit directed at Cohen. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because obviously defamation of character yeah, made them yeah, look yeah. horrible. And that sort of stuff, you're like, oh, wow. So he's really trying to... But obviously, yeah, it is a two-way street because it's not necessarily poking fun at uh, bigoted America. It's poking fun at sort of the these foreign... Some foreign cultures that have these regressive values towards women, too. Yeah, exactly. Even just um, like that... I mean, everyone quotes it, but like, this is my sister. Like, that's... Yeah. It's all part of it. And I And I think the second film does a really interesting job at continuing sort of the feminine side of this discussion, mm-hmm. which we'll, we'll get into more soon. But um, I, I quite enjoyed Borat. I enjoyed Bruno more than I thought I would. I think the first 20 minutes of Bruno was flat out bad, mm-hmm. but it actually kind of picks itself up. When I finally started realizing, oh, he's sort of doing a similar thing, but in terms of uh, Americans and well, even because he goes in the Middle East mm-hmm. in that film as well, and he's making like Osama Bin Laden jokes, which I think it starts getting a little too broad and a little too unfocused in that way. But I think Bruno does have moments of really clever things of like, He's pretending to be this flamboyant gay person going into like a, one of those camps where they try and fix you straight and he's like having conversations with these people and there's one funny scene where he's like in a karate lesson and he's like, oh, how do I defend myself against men who are attracted to me? And he's like throwing dildos at the karate guy and stuff. Like some of it, I, f- I know it's like very juvenile and mm-hmm. it leads more towards the crude humor of it, but I found some of this stuff in Bruno like hysterically funny. That's fair. That's fair. Would you uh, would you like to move into career sections? Do you have anything else you'd um, like to add before we? Yeah, I reckon because I really have nothing to say about the dictator. Yeah, neither. Like I thought about writing a letterbox review, just being like, I laughed, but at what cost? Yeah, <laughs> it's a film that definitely uh, was lacking focus. Um, in like it yeah. lacking the at least the depth and character that you would find in both the Borat films. Exactly. Like, in, um, in Borat, you see Pamela Anderson runs away from Borat. But in The Dictator, he gets the the feminist girl, even yeah. though he's still a dictator. Yeah. Like, I, I know I shouldn't be bringing that logic to the film, but, no. like, but it's there. It's warranted. Yeah. I think um, he's obviously been... He was a topic of discussion on our trial of the Chicago 7 uh, yes, episode. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. And obviously, he takes a very... Poli- he, literally plays a political activist at that point mm. and a conscientious objector. 
So he has definitely aligned himself for the good part of his career one way or another now watching the original Borat and obviously the film of the week. So it's, you you watched Borat for the first time this week yes. as well. Okay, cool. Um, and I enjoyed it. Um, the moments of reality I found more engaging than obviously the very paper-thin plot. That, yeah, like the scenes they pepper in, we're like, oh, and this is the part where they actually just filmed a scene. They're just trying to stitch. Yeah, they're trying to stitch together their collection of skits, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which I will say, it worked better in, in Borat than it does in, like, Bad Grandpa. It's, like, weird mm. and distracting in Bad Grandpa. Yeah, but, it, it, yeah, obviously it feels like they had they did all the interviews first, mm. and um, we're going to talk a little bit more later in the, the, the film of the week. Yep. conversation of how they work around the the fame and that sort of aspect yes <laughs> um but I have some comments on that yeah yeah um so i enjoyed it um i didn't obviously care too much for the plot and stuff but the the collection of skits obviously are very very interesting and very it's funny seeing a film like this and then you see like the between two ferns film oh yeah <laughs> which i don't think of, there's any of that's uh like real no, I mean because oh, the celebrities come on knowing what kind of show it. At this point, you imagine. Yeah, obviously in the original Between Two Ferns, not gotcha. Not like the oh, not even the movie, just like the very yeah, beginning yeah. of it. Yep. But it's sort of the same thing where that's just a collection of interviews, and they paper thin put a film together out of that one too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so obviously the comprehension and discussion of Borat comes from the subtext of those moments of reality or at mm. least things that push very close to reality that you then have to search up if it was real or not after the fact. Or how, yeah, how much of it, how did they dupe people into the interviews mm. and all that kind of jazz? Did he really, go, like, when they, when he went to that Presbyterian uh, church or I think it's Prosperous. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. It's pro, It's a certain type of Christianity. He's talking about right at the very end of the first no, when four, he, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he go when he's fallen out with his producer like, yeah 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 and he's like it's <laughs> he's like getting pro- um our oh, prime what? minister is the same religion oh i didn't know that fun fact <laughs> that wasn't a very fun fact at all it's a terrifying fact i know what scene you talk about though and how like he's he's like getting converted but <laughs> like we as the audience know that he's putting on a show but he's been so ridiculous the comedy comes from the other people around him not realizing how ridiculous he's acting mm. like yeah it it it's an interesting balance of comedy for sure, and and I think I think it works for the most part. I think they're good films. Like I said, I liked Bruno more than I thought it would. The the scene with the swingers party especially was so funny. Mm-hmm. He's like just like these people. I mean, yeah, swingers party. Like he's just sort of walking up to people that are having sex and just like poking his face and everything. Like, oh, good job, good job. <laughs> so good. I don't know, man. It gets no worries. Me. Well, would you like to add anything in our career section before we move into the film of the week? I would actually. So Ooh. last week, Zeke, we had a very rare moment, very very rare on the show, where we actually snipped out a bit of our discussion from the episode. Because yeah, because I wasn't sure how much it's rare uh, of rare vetoing of information. Exactly. So I'm going to bring it back to your audience a mm. week later, but it's back with some new developments. So <clears throat> as you know, Zeke, I do the soaring Saturdays videos on, on the Click Productions Facebook page. And it's a way for me to get my more utilization of my mm-hmm. drone, my GoPro and stuff. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we went down to Serpentine Falls to get some drone footage, me and a, a few friends of mine. And uh, the drone may or may not have ricocheted off a, a rock and landed in the water and was trapped down there. <laughs> so you mentioned this last week. I did. 
and I, after the show, I was like, oh, can we snip that out? Just because I wasn't like, there were a few people I was purposely not telling and stuff, mm-hmm. just because like the financial yada, yada, yada. Anyway, since then, I actually had a friend of mine uh, who did marine studies and stuff in high school. He's a really close friend of mine. He actually went and we rented out like a tank and stuff and he got the proper scuba diving gear and we went into the water and he found the drone. Which is pretty, it's a miracle. Pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Um, apparently, it was like literally because it was it was sinking in this soot, so we were about another day or two away from it just completely sinking under and being unrecoverable. Uh, but he found like a little leg sticking out, and he owns his own drone. He's mm-hmm. part of the reason I have a drone is because of, of the work he's done for me. So he knew what it looked like. He was like, "Oh, that's it there." Like he had a little flashlight. Uh, so anyway, the reason the drone is now resting in rice and home. We recovered 99% of the footage that was on that SD card. So even though it was submerged for eight days, we recovered it. It's pretty amazing. Um, can confirm rice works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, And uh, it's now on the Facebook page. So the most recent episode of Soaring Saturdays is it's actually a two-minute video, which is double the length of most of our videos, mm-hmm. which has the actual drone footage that we captured of Serpentine Falls. And then we had like a little sound bite to represent the drone falling and crashing. And then it cuts to the GoPro footage of us swimming into the water to find it a week later. So, um, this one an adventure. Get, it was an adventure. It was absolutely so. Uh, check that out because it was a, it was, uh, you can call it a fun time. I was actually pretty calm about the whole situation. So, it, it was a fun time. Yeah. I wasn't like, I lost my drone. <laughs> no, I'm glad it was okay. As I've said on my, for my career mm. update, it's just obviously working on a lot of post production. So, hopefully, we'll be talking about that. Maybe not next episode, but the episode after. Yeah, for sure. Well, you've you've shown me some rough cuts. Yeah, and uh, it's looking good. Yeah, it's I'm coming looking together. forward to seeing where it goes from here. We've entered picture lock on two of them. Very nice. Out of three, so one to go, and then we're in picture lock for all three, and then it's just uh, grading grading me and home then, country then road style. Ra- <laughs> then race to the Oscars. Yeah, of course, of course. Nice well, one. it is a bit of a dry period. For, so maybe you'll snag <laughs> you, nev- you never know. I reckon no. the short film submissions for this next Oscar is going to be like incredible. Yeah. And all the features are going to be like, Tenet wins seven Oscars. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> well, it is time for us to move into our film of the week. But, Jake, what are we watching? Well, unless you haven't got the hint yet, audience, <laughs> this week on the show, we're watching Borat, subsequent movie film. <laughs> Fourteen year ago, I released movie film which brought great shame to Kazakhstan. But now I was instructed to return to Yankee Land to carry out secret mission. I go to America! Released from prison for bringing shame to his country, Kazar funny man Borak wreaks life and limb when he returns to America with his 15 year old daughter. Very nice. Yes. Uh, this film was directed by Jason Walliner. Yeah, which is interesting because Borat, Bruno, and The Dictator were directed by Larry Charles. Really? So I don't know what happened to Larry Charles. Gotta he feel, di- he gotta disappeared. Feel. Yeah. Well, this is a Amazon Prime exclusive. Jake. Exclusive. And has come at a very <laughs> uh, well, appropriate time following the election. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, that's like, there's a title card at the very end of the film that says, like, go vote. So I think it was very much intentional they get it out, like, by this time. 
Yeah. But you're right. The, things are, can always go wrong. So it is nice that they got it mm. out at the time that they they aimed for. And uh, yeah, so that's a that's a key element of this film is that it was sort of made in secret through late 2019 and most of 2020. So it was only really sort of revealed, I think, right at the very end of shooting. They got some of the shots with Borat running around the streets and people recognizing him. My, my guess is that that's like the last thing they shot. Because it was almost a few weeks later that they're like, "Here, it's it's happening, and it's only mm-hmm. a couple of weeks away." So, yeah. yeah, I, I, so in all honesty, straight off the bat, Jake, did you enjoy this film more than the original? I think I did. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I just thought about it a bit more, and uh, do you think it's because of the cultural relevancy now? You see, I thought that, that was going to actually hinder the film for me. I thought I was going to like it less because it's so like 2020 it's so uh politically relevant today mm-hmm. that i was like well this isn't going to hold up as well as the original borat because there's so much important context of 2020 very specific context you have to know all the stuff about donald trump and mike pence and covid which obviously you know is going to be in the history books mm-hmm. but this i felt like there was going to be an over-reliance on that i think the film gets away from that enough where it ends up becoming more about borat and his 15 year old daughter uh tuta and particularly who, the dynamic of like that sort of foreign dynamic mm. of the the sort of the cultural appropriation of this family in America. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, bringing bringing that relationship to that family, and even like internally with with Bora and the daughter and the relationship they have that grows throughout the film. And I think I just sort of thought about it. And again, this is sort of loose. I'm I'm not putting my foot down. Be like. You know, change. Don't change my mind. Borat subsequent movie film is better than the original. I just think, I don't see why it's not better than the original. Maybe you can convince me otherwise, Zig. I don't know. Um. Yeah. So I didn't rate this film as highly as the uh, original. Okay. I'm sitting on about a three and a half to a three between the two. So close, but mm. um, I think I liked. Um, I think they both had really interesting. Um. Uh, sort of dispersion of reality and and fake, but obviously I think this film obviously can't simply is a victim of the success of its predecessor, basically. Mm. Um, and I do like that they address uh that obviously because Borat became such a national icon, he yeah. couldn't do that jackassery style where he couldn't very, do the same thing no he couldn't do the the prank from a distance lens watching him just act like a, a crazy person because mm. obviously he's become like this iconic figure uh and you know there are people literally chasing him down his street for the, <laughs> an autograph borad borad um <laughs> which is cool but obviously they work around that with the disguises that he mm. puts on which are very so intricate that people actually don't realise that it's, you know, obviously... Yeah, that it, that it's such a barren... Yeah, he full, full undercover boss. Yeah, because, well, one. exactly. Well, it's within the world that Borat's going to get recognised, so he can't really do what he needs to do, which in, in the plot is sort of get his daughter to to this political figure, which obviously the political figure changes throughout the film. But uh, from the real world perspective, it's like, well, Sasha Baron Cohen, who's sort of made a career out of creating these characters and sneaking mm. into these real-life settings... He can't be Borat. And, and to be fair, if you haven't seen the film and you're listening to this, we I mean, re- we recommend you always watch the film, mm-hmm. but he it's not 100% a different character. He, he is Borat from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I think they must have 
maybe assess the situation or they figured out like, okay, we can do it in this scenario mm-hmm. or in this scenario, no, he has to be dressed as someone completely different because um, yeah. you can't go into like this political rally as Borat, so to speak. No. And um, yeah, I think it's entertaining, but mm. uh, just to me wasn't as effective. And I think That's fair. Um, they don't just do it with Borat. They actually do those sort of uh, real life, interviews mock mock interviews with the daughter character too who goes into yeah yeah she's sort of the new bait and switch in a way yeah and i like the way they handle that and i think this one has a stronger narrative through line yeah for sure um which actually is probably one of its biggest strengths but like i said uh, in the first half of the show for me i just this type of humor this political satire just doesn't stick with me hmm um, I think his performances in pure driven melodramas like Trial of Chicago 7 actually have more political potency and social commentary that I find more effective and consumable for myself yep. than a film like this that's crude and has, um, you know, in the first one has some very uh, crude scenes that yield nothing more than this is just kind of a crude, funny scene. Yeah, like like when it's him and what was it, like his producer or like they're naked in the bed yeah, wrestling and... Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, they're hairy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that's the kind of stuff that you're right, like I would tune out of as well because um, mm. even in that first bore, like that's one of probably one of the weaker scenes where it's it's narrative speaking where it's like, oh, narratively they have to split up in the little story they've created but there's no political commentary that you yeah. could do over, like, oh, two naked men fighting. And so it's like, let's just make it funny and raunchy. Or how the daughter character comes to be in America in the second one and she eats this monkey that is apparently royalty. <laughs> for me, it uh, that sort of humour just doesn't stick with me, personally. And I've, yeah. I've found myself, over the course of a lot of these films, I just don't laugh that much at them. Interesting, yeah. Um, They're just not my style and I'm not someone who shies away from crude humor, but I think the realness of it to an extent makes me think too much about it to find it funny. I'm instead thinking about whether it's real rather than appreciating the joke they're trying to create. And then also I'm trying to figure out what they're trying to say social commentary wise. So Mm. although the layers, how they managed to layer that, is very impressive and is actually really good comedy. Yeah. For me, it's just too many layers. That's fair. I, and I, I definitely share the same sentiment you do in terms of being distracted by the, the, the filmmaker in you. That's like, well, how did they do this? What, what producer approach did they take mm. for this scene? Like I got very distracted by that too, but, um, and I, I do appreciate a lot of the, I mean, some of the scenes it is in terms of the political commentary, it's as simple as, you know, Borat saying something racist or dumb and seeing how far he can get away with, with the, the, maybe he's talking to like the clerk store owner mm-hmm. who just sort of goes along with the joke. Uh, sometimes like, I mean, it's funny cause they sort of contrast this, the scene when he goes into, um, sort of that worship home where he's like dressed up as like the stereotypical Jew with the big nose and everything. And you get moments like that where it's sort of reversed where the people he bumps into are actually really sweet natured mm-hmm. people. And it's just like, they're like, come on, give me a hug. I'm not going to kill you, that kind of response. And that's in service of the story they're trying to tell. Oh, yeah. we need Borat to have a, a change of heart in this moment. So we're going to reach this person who, you know, isn't, you know, hardcore pro-Trump Republican, 
you know, nut job who blames COVID on the Democrats. Like, <laughs> they have those people in this film, but when mm. they need, like, an actual, like, oh, we're not going to laugh in this moment. We're going to have a character yeah. heart film moment. They have those people, too, to pick at. So um, I thought that was all very interesting. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, okay, well, for, for you, how do you, how do you feel about the, the comedy aspect of these films? Does it stick for you? I think when I think about this film, and I only watched this one today, so mm-hmm. I've had a lot of time with it. I think I didn't laugh uh, as hard as I did. And so, like, I can look at Bruno and be like, well, there were two or three scenes that I was, like, bursting laughing. Mm-hmm. While something like this is like, I kind of just chuckled throughout. Mm-hmm. I found a lot of, like, the dumb lines really funny. Like, when, for example, when, you know, um, the daughter swallows, like, the little um, baby statue thing, mm-hmm. and then they keep making these, like, sexually suggestive comments to the planned pregnancy guy in the office. Like, I'm just giggling at that stuff because, like, it's so dumb. Mm-hmm. And where's the audience now? Like, oh, well, you know, they're just talking about the little statue thing that she swallowed. But I don't know. I just, I think, not that I objectively find that stuff funny, but when I watch these films, I actually do laugh. Yeah. I actually am having fun with it. And this one, this is probably the only one of the... Uh, Maybe not, but like this is definitely one of the better films in terms of pacing. It's way longer than the others. We should mm-hmm. point that out. This one's like closer to 100 minutes, while Borat, Bruno, and Dictator are all like 80 minutes. Yeah. But this felt like almost better paced. Like I wasn't really checking my watch and or that anything. I come back film. to how cohesive the narrative is. There's very much yes. a direction that this film wants to start and finish with, and there actually are character arcs where you would argue they're. Uh, particularly in the original Borat, I wouldn't say that there's much of a character arc. It's more a character mm. just experiencing events. Exactly. And and um, you either have the character that, that changes or the character that stays stag- stagnant, but the world around them changes. And in Borat, neither of those happen. No. But it, I mean, yeah. it still works for comedy's sake. But And in this one, you're right. It's very much an internal, the character develops and changes throughout the film. Yeah. Well, I'm... I'm pretty stumped for... Uh, do you have anything else? <laughs> All right, well, I'll go for a minute. I mean, we should talk about um, Tuta, the daughter, played by uh, Maria uh, Bakalova, I believe her mm-hmm. name. That's how you pronounce it. And uh, I thought she was, like, fantastic in this film. Yeah. I yeah. thought she was really, like, a good counter to Sasha Baron Cohen, like a good counterweight. Yeah, she was... Um, for a... Is this her first role? Uh, I don't think so, but it's definitely like her first big role where she like had to go out to London to audition for, because I think she is like a native as well. So mm-hmm. it, she she wasn't in Hollywood <laughs> when they cast her. No, um, but this is definitely one of her first big roles for sure. Yeah, it's very uh, very solid performance, very funny. Mm-hmm. I find if I was ever chuckling, it was something that she was doing. So right. um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Well, she she goes like as big and as ridiculous. As Borat does, and yeah, she doesn't shy away from it. No, there's a there's a lot of humor where, like her being hairy and like lifting her dress up and stuff like that. Where it's like, ah, good on you. <laughs> you don't like that? Forgot about that scene. I oh, yeah. just brought it up. Um, oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I'm I'm like I'm not like gross grossed out by it, but I know that's that's the whole point of the scene is to gross the people in the room out. Yeah, and they're kind of. And you sort of kind of want them to mess with those people because of mm-hmm. what they were saying when they were talking when Borat and and uh, Tuta, Tuta, yeah, 
were chatting to them earlier, being like, you know, he would sell his daughter for five hundred dollars. <laughs> this guy was totally okay with saying that. And... Well, I, that's what I was saying earlier. Like he says such outrageous things, and I always find it funny when he finds the person who just rolls with it. Yeah. I mean, like when he goes to the fax machine, and that I just find that hilarious on its own. The fact that he just bought a mobile phone, but he he uses a random guy to fax between him and his, I guess, employer. Is the way. I mean, yeah. he's he's getting threatened with death, but um, just that whole idea is he's getting these faxes and he's just a bunch of angry faces and they're, like, trading daughters and, or they're talking about trading daughters to, yeah. like, Mike Pence and stuff. Like, and the guy, the guy doing the faxes just, like, does he just high-fives Borat every so how, 10 minutes. How did you feel about the Pence scene? I'm kind of... I want to see if I can find footage because that's obviously a real rally that would have happened in like maybe february absolutely when yeah. they downplayed the virus still i mean they still do but <laughs> regardless i want to go back and see the actual footage i mean that's to your point of you're always curious about the real life yeah thing. yeah absolutely um i don't know what the what it unfortunately i don't know what that did for the film though really oh him being there why well, uh, this is <laughs> This so, is, a lot of his real fan footage stuff does have motivation in terms of its plot for mm. what they're doing. And that was one of the few situations, apart from he was trying to sell his daughter to Pence. Well, what happened? There was an Epstein-related comment. Right. Well, I think what... Uh, I mean, narratively, and it feels weird to say this, like, mm. oh, narratively, this in Borat means this. Um, it's when he changes from Mike Pence to going after Rudy... Uh, is it Gia Ani? Yeah, G- G- Giovanni, is it? Giovanni. Yeah. There's no V in there, but no. it's kind of... I think it's Gianni. Ah, oh, okay, gotcha. It's like um, Paul Giannali. Mm. <laughs> no, but uh, I think narratively, that's when that shifts, where he's like, oh, well, we can't go after Pence anymore. He's, you know, in, in their way of explaining it, oh, he said no to us, so we're going to swap over to this person. And it's a good thing we're switching over to our boy Rudy right now, because that was a big mar- marketing controversy sort of thing that happened that was a big thing before mm-hmm. the movie came out was that scene in particular whether he put his hands in his pants and yeah. he's since come out and and you know screamed fraud much like a lot of americans are doing right now um and saying that oh he was just you know undoing he was just tucking his shirt back in or you know whatever and and i like that both um sasha baron cohen and uh maria bucker buckalova have both come out and said something like, oh, well, you know, we're not really trying to suggest did he put his pants, hands down his pants or anything. They're just like, well, you know, it's in the film. That's the footage that we were captured and it speaks to his character. So I kind of like their yeah. passiveness to that, I guess. Well, I, I think it comes mm-hmm. back to, at the end of the day, this sort of conversation ties back to Sasha Baron Cohen himself mm-hmm. um, and sort of his political activism and his acknowledgement for... He's, you know, he's sort of the character he's playing in Trial of the you know, Chicago yeah. 7 is is probably not too a, far removed from the type of person he is in general. No, he's a 60s uh, yippie, which, you know, in today's age is like, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what he does. Yeah. <laughs> he's he not gone. afraid to make fun of himself, but he's not afraid to point out the flaws and corruption mm. in the society that surrounds him. So he well, is definitely some form of activist. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess my question to you would be like, what's your thoughts on his approach? Because I mean, it's similar to Michael Moore in a lot of ways. Where Michael Moore is very in your face, and which I'm quite, pro- I find Michael Moore quite problematic too, mm. um, because I don't know if it yields necessarily a uh, 
at the end of the day, the difference between Moore and Cohen is it's still fictionalised. There's enough mm. fictionalised in there to be like, well, the approach can be a bit more drastic and, and dramatic because although it's clearly, you know, the film is clearly showing, you know, a one-sided political alignment and has no shame in hiding its subjectivity and how yep. it sees, you know, the the upper class and the representation of, you know, the Republican Party in America, mm. it at least will, um, you know, acknowledge that it's, you know, it's still fiction. You know, he's still a caricature. He's still a fictionalised yeah. person. And if anything, what he's doing, his extremist methodology is only yielding the fact that these extremist views are still existent within society. Yeah, because he's sort of baiting people. Yeah. But he's not doing, like, you know, my example of Michael Moore, and I don't mind him as much, but the one thing he did in Bowling for Columbine that really bugged me was that time he went to, like, a Target yeah. with, like, a victim from the shooting, and he basically bullied them and then stopped selling bullets or something like yeah. that. Um, And I just, I was like, that's just, I don't know, I just well, do not like that. Yeah, it's sort of, and it's, I mean, that's the most apparent sort of point of social commentary is you shouldn't be trying to ostracize people and their ideologies with ostracization. You know, exactly, with being in their face and doing the same you thing. Know, and, with, and with Sasha, he he sort of let he gives people the opportunity to be themselves. Absolutely. And in that, you see the hypocrisy and or the disgusting behaviour. he's also willing to... He's not just showing us the people that are being bigoted and mm. homophobic or sexist or misogynistic. He's also showing us the people that... Look after him. Mm, at least in this film, for sure. I guess the first board has that that couple, the Jewish couple that they run away from. Yeah, and then they also have the the high society people that mm. you know. A couple of them play a you know humour it a lot more than. Eventually, it goes right, completely yeah. out the window, <laughs> and I do think that that's kind of one of those. But so you can see sort of the two facery of that scene, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, I'll give you that because you're right. It is in both. Definitely, both Borats have a lot of. You know the positive reaction from yeah. from the people, <laughs> um, and then it's like that f- that fact situation. If that was entirely real and wasn't scripted, it's like that man was fully willing to just serve him. Yeah, really. <laughs> exactly. He didn't, he didn't feel like he was probably mentally uncomfortable and just kept kept doing his job. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because like like you said, a lot of it's done by the daughter character in, in this film, and I I wrote a few comments in my in my notes here about how. You know, and again, this plays into the 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 culture clash of, of how they read each other's cultures, and especially when he introduces like the Instagram influencer as like you know leader of the feminist movement or something like mm-hmm. that, and then it's like, oh, this is how you do your makeup, and she like opens the bottle <laughs> from under her dress, and she's mm-hmm. like, never do that in front of a man. <laughs> yeah. But and then even taking that further, when she goes into the, um, oh god, I can't remember, but it's like the she gets dropped off uh, by like the babysitter mm-hmm. and then she sees that building. I can't, is it like Republican, like women center, something, yeah. something like that. But um, uh, just again, that's when, you know, she touches herself for the first time and then she does that big speech in front of everyone. I think there's so much interesting f- focus in this film on the, on the female's place in the society and taking that from, you know, yeah. a, a more foreign country versus the United States and really playing with that. And again, I think she just does a great job at playing that Yeah. in general. But yeah. No worries. Are you ready to move into highlight scenes, buddy? Um, 
just about, I think I want to talk about the ending. Okay. So what what did you think of the ending, like the last 10 minutes specifically? <laughs> um... I'm I'm probably going to be up front. I think I enjoyed the ending to the first one more. Okay. Um, I think it just goes a little bit too political for my... I think compared to... I kind of like the... the, pan, the, the I Okay. So I like... <laughs> Here we go. I like how... I just... I think I just enjoy, yeah, the ending to the first one more. Okay. Um, was it just too much for you in this one? Uh, yeah, I okay. Um, I think because and I think it was also the intrigue that the first one created for me with mm. with finding out how much she was in on it, and then obviously leading into that that kind of that downward spiral of intrigue. I yeah, think that yeah. That one, I've I think I found that more engaging. Right. I think I I actually think the ending to this film is like just so awesome. And mm. it it's like it kind of throws a lot of stuff out the window in the sense that ah, oh, it's a big joke. It's it's uh, Borat was uh, patient zero for COVID nineteen and he spread it around the world. Like it's so ridiculous and so funny and so surprising because you don't expect the film to take that turn. But where it's so fictional and it's kind of crazy so that they, they managed to come up with it this like close. Yeah, you're right. Because like, at what point while making this film did they decide? we're going to make this like twist ending and that's what the whole film was. Because mm. you're right. I would be surprised if they fought from the very beginning. I think for me, it was more, it's more the question of what were they trying to say with it? Is it just a, or was it just a punchline to a joke? I think it was a punchline. Because like I said, it kind of froze a lot of the movie out the wall. It's, it's not like, you have like Spike Jones who did that sort of, not a twist ending, but like it was definitely a surprise, shocking ending to Black Klansman. Mm-hmm when now all of a sudden it's sort of juxtaposing the story of the film, which you're like, oh, well, that happened decades ago. We're fine. And it's like, no, here's some footage you saw last month on the news in this film. Mm. And I feel like it kind of has the opposite effect in this film. Or it could. I'll say it could have the opposite effect where all of the, you know, oh, look, we got, um, was his name again? Rudy? Yeah, we got Rudy Gianni. Like, oh, look at him with his hands down his pants. Like, look at terrible. Look at the terrible response to COVID and these people thinking the Democrats still Obama, Obama made the virus. Like, mm-hmm. it sort of throws all of that discussion out because, like, oh, but it's a punchline ending. Yeah. And I, I, I whereas I feel like the 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 Pamela one, although a joke, mm. does actually have some subtext to it and some right. commentary there of of there are like there are legitimate cultures out there where people do abduct their wives and oh man i think there's more <laughs> i'm so glad she was in on it because that was very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah whereas at least this one was more comedy driven i felt it was very like on the fictional end of it mm-hmm. where i was like okay well obviously the fictional character bore i did not create or he didn't create but you know he did not spread coronavirus yeah. single-handedly he didn't get tom hanks in this film which is funny because you go on IMDb, Tom Hanks is like the third billing in the film. So mm-hmm. they obviously got Tom Hanks <laughs> to do this Australian Sydney bit they did, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but other than that, it's a completely fictionalized thing that's all in total service of, oh, well, the relationship Bora and his daughter have. Look, they're mm-hmm. in a good, they're both reporting and it's a funny, that I did laugh a lot at the, instead of like the Jew um, 
what's it called? Like is the, it, the, the the like the run of the bulls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And instead, so they just got like a merit. They got like the Karens with the guns and. <laughs> I don't know. It just made me laugh because yeah. like, oh, I recognize this stuff. I don't know. Well, no worries, Jake. You ready to move into a highlight scene? Let's do it. Well, Zeke, tell me your highlight scene, or or maybe just your favorite character that we met in film or situation. I don't know. It's a hard I'd probably to probably say. I did enjoy um, their the way they responded to the Borat success at the start of the film. I really liked. Yeah, yeah. They're sort of like having him running away from people and sort of that sort of, <laughs> I found that was really funny. Um, and just that sequence, that fact sequence with the, the guy who was just so deadpan yeah. and calm <laughs> while they're having this horrific back and forth with each other. And he just doesn't give a, doesn't give an iota. Yeah. he's a... And, and I liked it when he went to the fair with, uh, uh Tukta and had her on a leash. And <laughs> just the reactions of people. I forgot that. Yeah, at that at that fair. To like, Daddy, happen. they're holding hands. Oh, I guess they forgot their leash. <laughs> Stuff like that makes me giggle. It's just dumb one liners like that. I don't know. Um, I'm actually. I I agree. With you. I think the faxes was one of my favorites too. Just you're right. That guy is just. He's so funny and he's dead beatness. I thought the guy who sold him the phone was also like equally funny and he's deadpan when he's like mm-hmm. looking up. Um. Pornhub and stuff like that. The other one I want to give out is when they were at that um, the clinic, the breast uh, implant clinic mm-hmm. or wherever they're at. And I, I don't know. I feel like this was just a little de- detail I only noticed. But I like how we paid the twenty thousand dollar bill with like ones and tens. <laughs> so they just got like this whole table full of yeah. cash. Uh, like that's a funny little detail. I don't know. No um, worries. But yeah, I was pretty positive about the film altogether. I think I like it more than the first. There you go. Controversially. Controversially, yeah. But the Borat subsequent movie film is currently out on Amazon Prime as an Amazon original. There you go. Get your free pass and then and then bounce. I actually might keep my Prime subscription again. There you go. Because I, I forgot The Boys is on Prime. Mm, so I've might, heard a lot of good things about it. I might start watching that. No worries. But, well, speaking of new things that have come out, Jake, what's new to streaming platforms and cinemas this week? That's a good segue. Uh, all right, we've got a few things. So coming to Netflix this week, you've got The Princess Switch Switched Again, and it's a sequel to, you guessed it, The Princess Switch. So if you like The Princess Switch, you can now watch The Princess Switch. What a terrible Switch. colon semi-line follow-up there. Oh, a Switched the Again? The Princess Switched Again. It's like you couldn't think of any other like thing that didn't involve literally one of your title words. I know. Like, they, need the, they need the person who did the Fast and Furious sequel titles. Unless, unless instead of a colon, it's two arrows... So it's like the princess switch, ah, switched, switched again. Two arrows pointing the opposite. Yeah, I like that. They you, they should hire you for millions of dollars yeah. to do that. Um, also coming to Netflix is Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. So it's a Christmas-based musical directed and choreographed by Debbie Allen. Uh, coming to Disney Plus uh, this week. I'm going to read this whole log line to you, Zeke. I want I want to get your thoughts on this. So this is the Lego Star Wars holiday special and it sees ray leave her friends to prepare for life day as she sets out on an adventure to gain a deeper knowledge of the force as the mysterious temple no at the mysterious temple she is hurled into a cross timeline adventure will she make it back in time for life day you gonna watch it zick i'm going to avoid that one ah i really want to it's like a 40 minute like lego animated I uh, don't so. know if that's for me nope. <laughs> or you my decade. You don't want to watch Ray and her friends? I think I've had enough of Ray. 
<laughs> Please check out episode 49 <laughs> for my thoughts on Ray Skywalker. <laughs> on Ray Skywalker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right, cool. And coming to cinemas this week is Pinocchio. So this is a new 2019 Pinocchio. It's finally coming to Luna. It had a one screening like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it's coming back. It's the live action retelling of the classic story. Reacclaimed, uh, directed by reacclaimed Italian director uh, Matteo Garone. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Uh, Monsoon sees a British Vietnamese man return to Saigon from uh, for the first time in over 30 years after fleeing during the Vietnam-American War. And lastly, I'm so hyped for this, Zeke. Mank, which sees David Fincher return to the feature world to direct his father's script, the story of Herman J. Mankiewicz. Uh, Mankiewicz, Mankiewicz, mm. I think it is, as he races to finish the script for Citizen Kane. So this comes to Netflix next month. But if you want to watch it a little earlier, like I will, uh, it plays at Luna from this Thursday onwards, and the backlot are doing a special screening this Sunday, the 22nd. Mm. Um, so I'm probably going to catch that in the next week. So I'm yeah. excited for that one. Well, I'm sure that might even get a episode on this show. Ooh, little cheeky. teaser. But little it is not what we're watching next week on the show. No. But Jake, what are we watching? Next week on the show, we're watching Ammonite. I want her to walk the shoreline with you, learn from you. I'm not looking for an apprentice. I would pay a premium for a private audience. It's not easy work. Don't like the water. What is it? Cheap tourist water. Beautiful. It pleases me you've struck up a friendship together. What is it? Something? Nothing? Acclaimed paleontologist Mary Anning works alone selling common fossils to tourists to support her ailing mother. But a chance job offer changes her life when a visitor hires her to care for his wife and the woman forge a bond. And we finally did it, Zeke. <laughs> yeah, that was a real tongue twister. I know, a few times. It stars Sasha Ronan, Kate Winslet, and is directed by Francis Lee. And written by. Oh, well, there you go. So this is a film that is actually playing at is it the oh, what is it the British Film Fest? It's yeah, yeah. Some... So we're actually doing. Um, so we were actually going to start doing these festivals more because Lunar actually does get festival runs. Mm. So when we get the opportunities to jump on these festivals, we're going to jump in on them just to promote them a little bit more. Absolutely, and and, and this is the one that I picked out. You know, I think this is like the big mm. Oscar contender out of the lot that was in there. Like this is the one I heard about months ago. Yeah, we're, like, we're, oh, we're, we're going it. on a bit of an indie run mm. into a hundred. Um, the next couple of weeks, we're gonna have a couple of little indie darlings from uh, past and present. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, I like this. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I think um, maybe next week we should really figure out what we got to publicize in terms of a hundred episode, one hundred celebrations and stuff. Because I, I would like to do a competition, but I want to run it by first and see if we can actually do something like that. That sounds very exciting, Jake. But until then, Ooh, I want to say one more thing whoa. to the audience. Zeke, it's your birthday this Wednesday. Oh, ha- yeah, it is. Happy birthday, Zeke. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. I, guess, I, guess this is, I guess this would be my birthday episode. Yeah, because next week will be a little too far removed, I yeah, reckon. So, uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a big weekend. We did. We went to Beer Fest and 
Little, little creatures sponsored, is yes. that it? Yeah, and yeah. Freer. Sponsored and, uh, my twenty third birthday. No, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but um, no, we had a good time, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a little happy before we ended the show. No, thanks, Jake. That's You're really nice welcome. of you. Um, it was a great day out. Um, still recovering, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side Show podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake, and we'll catch you next week with Animite.